You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Luke chapter 4, starting here in verse number 15, and we'll read down to verse number 21. I want you to pay attention to the setting, one of my favorite settings that's given to us in the Scripture. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book or the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. I want you to notice that. Then he closed the book. He gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And I'll back up to verse 18. No way we can cover it all, but I want this fresh on your mind. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And this morning, I want to minister one part of this scripture, verse number 18, the preaching of deliverance. The preaching of deliverance. I'm going to try my best, and I pray the Lord helps me to be clear, to establish a truth, to establish a truth and a foundation here, starting here in Luke chapter number 4, in regards to the preaching of deliverance. And so I pray that you'd help me, help me pray to minister and to be plain. I'm expecting God to do some great things this morning. Anything God does is great, but I'm expecting the Lord to do great things today. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray this morning? Father, I love you today. I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and your love, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able one more time to declare your truth, God, your word, God, that never returns void. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would open our ears to properly hear, our hearts, God, to properly receive. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips, Lord, to deliver your already anointed word. God, I'm asking you to do a work that I can't do, Lord, and no other man can do. And that is, Lord, to deliver the captive this morning, Lord, to uh, move upon the hearts of every individual. And I'll give you, I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. I'm going to start with a big statement that I want you to think about this morning. There are an untold amount of believers. Now, notice I said believers. There are an untold amount of believers, there's a reason it's untold, that love God with all of their heart, and they serve God, they're doing their best to serve the Lord, faithful to God. Now listen to what I'm about to say, because much of the church has shut me out right here, and they would not agree with me. 
But even though they love God and they serve God, they are living with a bondage in their heart that they are ashamed of. A bondage in their heart that they are ashamed of. And sin brings shame. The Bible says that. The former things, Paul, Paul wrote and said, the former things that I am now ashamed of. Sin brings shame to the believer. Most likely those believers believe that Jesus Christ alone can make them free. But when deliverance does not come immediately, discouragement sets in. And we begin to doubt that God can set me free from this particular bondage. And when we begin to doubt, the product is unbelief. And when we have unbelief, listen, the result is the Holy Spirit cannot work through doubt and unbelief. He has to work through faith in Christ and what He did on the cross. So if the enemy of your soul can get you to doubt that God can ever set you free from whatever bondage that you're wrestling with, then he closes the door to the working of the Holy Spirit and he opens the door to doubt and unbelief and the end result is that I'm discouraged and I not only unbelieve, but now I believe something different. I believe that the Lord can save me, but maybe I have to live with this bondage the rest of my Christian walk. Am I, are you with me? I don't, I don't want to, look, I'll ask questions if I have to, but I want to be plain. I don't want to, I don't want to get you so uh, uh, confused that you don't know what I'm talking about. I, I want to be plain. And so I'm going to slow down a little bit this morning because the majority of the church world has pointed the individual that is bound, they have pointed the individual that is, that is a captive, as the scripture says, to a particular prayer line, and I'm not, because I don't know how I'm going to do my altar call yet, I'm not discrediting that completely. But if I point you to an individual to lay hands upon you to be delivered from whatever you're bound by, then I'm pointing you to an individual that does not have the power to deliver you. And when a person believes that a certain pastor or preacher or teacher is able to lay hands on them and pray for them and they are delivered and their faith is in that, their trust is in that and not in Jesus and what He did for them on the cross of Calvary, again, we have to revert back to the end result being discouragement. Look, if you've ever come up in a prayer line and you don't know how to walk in the Spirit and you're believing God to do something and you went home and God did not do that for you, you were discouraged. You were beginning to doubt. The end result is not what we were expecting. Now listen, I'm not discrediting the prayer of faith that is able to deliver you. A, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, or three Wednesday nights ago, Sister Renee Boggs stood up here and told your kids, if your kids wasn't here in that church service, look, you cheated your children. You cheated your children. She stood up here and she gave them a testimony. Of a life, let me tell you something this morning, and I don't even know you, but if anybody had a reason to not serve God and to give up on life, she had a reason. When she tells you that she had no home life, 
when she tells you that uh, she don't, you know, her parents uh, didn't attend to her or help her, none at all, didn't even know who her father was. When she tells you about a world that does not love you and a world that doesn't care about you and that drugs were there to destroy her life, listen, she's got every reason to give up on life and to throw in the towel and to say, I'm done and I'm finished. But listen, one Sunday morning, she got an invite to a church where the Spirit of the Lord was moving. She went and sat on the back row, not even planning on going up to an altar. In fact, she didn't go up to an altar. And a Spirit-filled lady came and put her arm around her and began to pray for her she got up delivered by the power of God she deleted phone numbers of people she didn't need to talk to anymore listen I want to tell you she can give you a testimony God can deliver you boom done and over with speak the word and it's finished but I want to tell you this I don't know how many years ago that was how many years God's not done just because she got delivered from drugs God's not done so what do you tell the individual that just came off of a I'm going to say it this way and I hope it's right a spiritual high God just absolutely delivered her boom it was done and over with and then he moves on to the next thing and God doesn't deliver her immediately see there's a reason that we don't deliver there's a reason we preach deliverance because we got to tell people how to be delivered. We got to tell people how to be uh, set free. God does instantly deliver, but I want you to know even then, God is not done. And if a preacher continually points those that are bound to a man to lay hands upon them, they're pointing you in the wrong direction. I want to be plain this morning and to be blunt I'm not a deliverer, I'm not a healer. I can't give you salvation. These men are not miracle workers this morning. If they don't point you to Christ, I will set them down. And if I don't point you to Christ, the board needs to set me down. No man has the power of Jesus Christ. We don't need that power. He's still alive. He's still well. He still sits on the throne. And all I need to do is to point you to Christ. Now, it needs to be noticed. He didn't call us to deliver. We don't have the hard part. He calls me to preach deliverance. And as deliverance is preached and the individual is pointed to Christ as a deliverer, here's what happens. A relationship with Jesus starts. A one-on-one relationship with Christ starts. And if a relationship with Christ starts, the result is never discouragement. The result is never doubt. The result is not a desire to quit. The result is to walk in the Spirit so that I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's the truth. Listen to what I'm about to say, and I'm going to back it up with Scripture. I don't even know everybody in here this morning. I don't know. Look, it doesn't matter if I do know you. There's things about your life that I don't know anything about you. I started with a big statement. I'm going to make another big statement. I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. I just mean it in a truthful way. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. 
I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far in sin that you went. I don't care how much it cost you. I don't care where your rock bottom was. I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care how many times you've blown it. I don't care how many times that people has turned their back on you. I don't care how many times you've been alone bawling your eyeballs out and saying, what is the use? The truth of the matter is, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your last name is. Here's the truth. Anybody and everybody can be free from anything and everything by their faith in Jesus and what He done on the cross of Calvary. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I resort back to it's a little different atmosphere. I know I've told it before, but it's a different atmosphere when you're sitting in a prison and they take you back. I'm, I'm thankful that we're involved with the prison, but prison ministry firsthand is not my calling. The first time I went to visit a man consistently in a prison, they walked me in and there was nine, yes, nine, I counted them. There was nine doors that slammed and shut behind me. And when I got back there, I said, Lord, this is not for me. This is not for me. Being in a prison is different. When you're sitting in a room full of people that are locked up for a reason and you don't know why they're locked up, well, my mind begins to wander. It begins to wander a little bit. Okay, I'm just human. I'm just telling you. I'm not judging people. I just begin to think. And then I stand up and I go, what was we, a PAL program, I believe we was in the PAL program. I don't know how many men was there, probably 50 men, 60 men, something like that. And we were in there and we were teaching. And I was teaching, I was preaching on victory in Jesus Christ. I don't remember exactly my message, but I do remember that when I started to give an altar call, the guard or one of the men shut me down and I, because I wasn't allowed to lead them in a prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. It was a faith program, but there was other peoples of different faith in there and we had to have a little talk about that afterwards. I don't, I don't appreciate it. You know why I'm there? You know I'm preaching Jesus. You don't want me giving them an opportunity to come to Christ. You need to tell me before. And so I told them, I said, they won't let me do this, but if you want to accept Christ as your Savior, you come to me right afterwards, and I'm going to pray with you right now that the Lord would, would, would save you, and God will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And this guy walked up to me. I'm not a very big man, but the guy walked up to me, and I'm, I'm looking up at him, and he's big, broad shoulder, and he said, do you really believe that, that stuff you were talking about? And I said, yes, sir, I, I believe that. I believe it so much that if I didn't believe it, I, I'll throw my Bible in the trash on the way out, and I will quit. I'll never come back again. I'll never preach in the name of Jesus if I did not believe what I just told you. And he said, look, I want to tell you this. I have robbed banks. I led a gang. Uh, he went into all kinds of stuff and telling me everything that he had done. And he said, you really believe that this Jesus can set me free? I feel the Spirit of the Lord this morning uh, and save me this morning uh, I said sir again uh, if he can save me he can save you uh, he's not a God that is a respecter of persons uh, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're at or where you've been uh, I said if you'll accept Jesus right now uh, he'll save you uh, the angels are about to rejoice uh, and your name will be written down in the Lamb's book of heaven uh, he said preacher pray for me uh, I prayed for that big guy uh, he went to weeping and tears flowed down his eyes uh, I didn't see it but angels were rejoicing uh, 
I didn't see it, but his name was being wrote down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want you to know, yes, sir, I will not back up from the fact that I don't care who you are. If you're watching this morning, I don't care who you are. Anybody and everybody can be made free by the grace of God this morning. Deliverance is guaranteed. We recall the setting. We recall the setting. It's a common setting. Jesus walks into the synagogue. They looked at him. It was common to call upon a stranger. They look at him. They walked over the minister in charge, handed him the scroll and said, you read this morning. Jesus stood up. Everybody else is sitting down. Takes the scroll. The Bible says he found the place. He was going to Isaiah 61 because Isaiah 61 it specifically points right directly to him and what he done. He got to Isaiah 61. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to preach deliverance to the captive. He has sent me here to open the eyes of the blind. He has sent me to set at liberty those that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He took it and rolled it back up, handed it back to the minister, walks back over and sits down. And they could not take their eyes off of him. Their eyes was fastened upon him. Literally mean it was joined to him. If you look in the original text, it means their eyes was stretching. They were stretching to reach him, to touch him. They were looking at him, saying, we've never heard it in this manner before. They all marveled. We have never heard it read like this before. And with their attention on him, he stands back up and he says, listen, this day. <laughs> Man, I love it. This day. Is the scripture fulfilled before your very eyes? Another war, in other words, I'm him. I came to heal. I came to save. I came to set at liberty. I came to preach deliverance to you. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your eyes. That's the setting. Powerful, powerful setting. The word here, I want to highlight a few things. I can't get through all of it. He says... First of all, we look at preaching deliverance to the captives. That's where I'm going to stay. Let's define captives. Do you know what captives is? Captive is literally a prisoner of war. A prisoner of war. Do you know what a person will do that has a bondage in their heart? There's, let's, let's put it like I'll preach to me. I have a bondage. I've had bondages in my own heart. This is what I do. I'm ashamed of it, so I'm not running and telling everybody. Okay? So now the bondage is between me and me only. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to defeat it by me. I'm going to try to overcome it by myself. And you know what the end result is of true bondage? The end result is I, complete, I continue to be defeated so I remain a prisoner of the war that I've been fighting between me and the bondage. I'm preaching good. I'm a prisoner. I remain a prisoner. A little bit later, I think I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to defeat this. I'm going to get up. I'm going to wait till Monday. I'm going to wait till New Year's. I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. Doesn't matter what New Year's resolution we make. 
we're going to break them all anyway. So, anyway. So, after I break that, I became a prisoner of war. Those that have struggled against the bondage and remain defeated are a prisoner. You ever sit down and talk to somebody that is an addict? You know the ignorance of the world will tell a drug addict, an alcoholic, somebody hooked on pornography, whatever it is, you, you know they'll tell them just quit it? You have any idea how stupid that is? Does anybody in here think that a drug addict started taking drugs so that they could ruin their life and tear their family apart and kill their health? Come on, I'm preaching good. Does anybody in here think that an alcoholic starts drinking so that they can destroy their family? Run their kids off? Is that the reason they started? I'm preaching good. I don't know what the deal is, but has anybody got that idea? And so if they didn't start for them reasons, why would they continue on if they can just quit it? And the church says, oh, you just need to quit it. You can't just quit it because there is such a pulling deep inside of them that they can't do like they taught us in school with the dog setting up there. McGruff, was that his name, McGruff? McGruff. Just say no. You can't just say no when there's a pulling in the flesh that keeps pulling you down. I'm preaching good. I'm trying to get you to see that the bondage is greater than what your willpower is. And when I can't just say no, but I keep fighting, I become a prisoner of war. Held captive. The struggle should teach us. I hope that everybody's here this morning. If you've been in a bondage of struggle, I hope this struggle has taught you something. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. Now, I don't want to be too unkind, but I do want to be blunt. Many have resorted to a man-made program. If the problem lies within the sin nature of man, why do we look to a man for the solution? I'll leave that alone. Nobody turns to a bondage with the intent to destroy. The captive, I'm looking at preaching deliverance to the captive, it becomes the prisoner of war, and they should learn. We should learn. I can't defeat it on my own. Deliverance is freedom or liberty. It sounds good. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want to be set free. Okay, I want to be set free. That's what we want, to be set at freedom or set at liberty. The word preach here means to herald, or I love this, to herald it. Look, I'll put all this together in a minute. I want to make sure you understand. To herald as a public crier. Oh, I love that. Because there was another one that came as a crier. His name was John the Baptist. Who are you, John? Are you the light? No, I'm not the light. Are you the one? No, I'm not him. 
You sure you're not the, 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 the chosen seed? No, I'm not. I'm just here to bear witness of the light. Well, who are you? I'll tell you who I am. I am a voice that is crying in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. What did he do? He sat on the Jordan, the bank of the Jordan River, and all of a sudden while he's baptizing people, here comes Jesus from the mountain and starts walking down here. Here's what he cried. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. If I'm going to preach deliverance, if I am going to be a public crier to, to those that are a prisoner of war, I must be like John the Baptist and tell those bound by drugs, alcohol, depression, whatever it may be, behold, don't look at me, behold the Lamb of God that has taken away the sins of the world. I've got to point you to Christ. So to preach deliverance to the captive... Oh, I'm loving this this morning. I'm having more fun than what y'all are. Preach deliverance to the captive? I have to cry out. Be a voice that is crying. Your answer is Jesus. Now that ain't something you didn't already know, but I'm going to explain it a little bit more. Your answer is Jesus. Your answer is Jesus. Your answer is you quit looking for another solution. Your answer is Jesus Christ this morning. Now, let's build on that. Here we go. In the synagogue, all eyes were fastened upon him. John said... Behold the Lamb. Anybody got an idea where we're looking at now? Where are we looking? We're looking to Christ. In the synagogue, eyes were fastened. Watch this. Behold the Lamb. John pointed back to Christ. Look to Christ. You need to look at Christ. Okay? Now, from this point on... Eyes were fastened on him. Now travel with me just a moment. John chapter 8. Joy, if you would. Look at this. Look at here. This is not something you didn't know. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And here's the scripture you know. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now get the setting. He's standing right in front of them. But he's using a future tense word. You shall know. You don't know right now. He's standing right in front of them. You don't know right now, but you shall know. You shall know the truth. Now, stay with me. We're all eyes fixed on Christ. You shall know the truth. You're right here. You're, I'm looking at you. We know. Let me, let me show you this. Shall know his future tense. Look at verse number 36. If the Son, therefore, here's the word again, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. In other words, without a doubt. Twice here we have, three times. He's pointing them future tense. Are you with me this morning? Future tense. You shall know the truth. When you know him, you shall be made free, and you shall be free indeed. It's coming. Everybody get that. It's coming. It's coming. It's not there yet. It's coming. Well, what else is coming? They're looking at Jesus. I'm glad you asked. I didn't hear you, but I'm going to assume you asked. You're wondering. Look at John 14 and 6. We're traveling through the text. 
Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now he's playing here and saying, look, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. And whom the Son shall make free shall be free indeed. Already we got four times. And then in John 14, he goes a little further. I'm the truth. I'm the truth. So now you're looking at me. All eyes fixed on Jesus said, preach deliverance to the captive. John said, behold the Lamb. Jesus said, I'm the truth. Our eyes ought to be fixed upon Him. Now, He says, I've got to say this while I'm here. Uh, under no uncertain terms should there be any doubt by now who Jesus is and what Christ, uh, not just who, but what Christ is. He is the way, the truth, and the light. There's not another way. I know that there are many in the world. Listen, if you, wanna, if you want eternal life, you will go through Jesus. If you want eternal life, you've got to go through Jesus Christ. There is not another way. Not another way. There's life. There's not another source of life. Jesus is life. And then he says, he's the truth. So we follow this. Now watch this. Here's the next conversation he's going to have. John 16. I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Are you with me? I, I, I don't. Am I being plain? Look, I want to be plain. They're looking at him. He's pointed them to him over and over and over and over again. Look to me. Look to me. Even John, look to Christ. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. And then Jesus says, I'm the truth. You shall know the truth. How do we shall know future tense? If I'm standing here looking at you. And then in this passage here, he says this. I've got many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. i got a lot I want to say, but you can't bear them now. To those that is looking for deliverance, Jesus is saying, if we're going to preach deliverance, I've got a lot I want to add to it, but I can't do it right now. How do we get delivered? Well, we go on. Look at the next verse. I don't know where I tell you. How be it, watch this, the spirit of Truth, I'm the way, the truth, and that you shall know, oh, I'm enjoying this more than you are. I sure love my study. I'm the, I'm the spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. Why is it that those that are bound want to know about the truth so much? Because the truth shall make you free. So I got to know about the truth. Watch this. How be it when the spirit of truth, future tense, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Look at the next verse. Is that as far as I told you to take? Go to verse number 14. He shall glorify me. Now what did the spirit of truth do? Pointed everything right back to Christ. He pointed everything right back to God. He shall receive of mine, and this is what he's going to do. He's going to show it to you. Finally, we have what we're looking for, Brother Greg. We're here. You shall know the truth. There's a spirit of truth coming. He's going to show it to you. Oh, I like that better. He's going to show it to you. Now, everything these texts points to is the fulfillment of that truth. 
If Christ is standing before them and he says, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth or the spirit of truth, then he's not speaking of just who Jesus is. Here we go. Watch this. We're going a little further. Not just who he is. He was standing in front of them. You know why he couldn't tell them things they couldn't handle now? Because he had not yet went to the cross of Calvary. But the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is now going to be able to tell them things that they can handle after Jesus goes to the cross of Calvary. He's not speaking of just who Jesus is. But the Holy Spirit came to show us what he accomplished. Oh, my goodness. To show us what he accomplished. Now we have the fulfillment. We have who he is. We have what he accomplished. We have who he is. I can't tell you now. You're not able to bear them now. But when he comes, you see, he came after Christ died on the cross of Calvary. He's going to show you things to come. So as a preacher, I've got to take those bound. Those that are bound, I've got to take them to who Jesus is and what he accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Because what he accomplished was he provided everything that you need, that I need, in order to be in a relationship with God and if I'm in a relationship with my Heavenly Father, I have access to everything He has. My mom and dad, they live right up the road. There's things they have. My, my dad has things in his shed, in his shop there. Do you know what I have access to at my mom and dad's house? Anything I need. Anything I need. You know what dad says? I call. Dad, I need to borrow this or need to borrow that. But you don't have to call me. I have to call him. You got access to it. I got an open door. Do you know you got an open door to the Lord? The veil was rent. I'm preaching good. The veil was rent. On the cross of Calvary. And now we have an open door. And the Holy Spirit gave us this revelation. That Paul laid out for us in the book of Romans. And I got to leave this with you before we quit. You shall know the truth. What is the truth? I'm going to tell you how to be delivered. I'm getting there. I have to establish who Jesus is and what he's done. Now, the revelation that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth showed to us. He showed to us through the Apostle Paul. And he started or through the book of Romans. Of course, we can't go all the way through it. Let me hop and skip here just real quickly. Those that are bound. You know why you're bound? Because we were born with a sin nature. We were born with a sin nature. Everybody born of a woman. Anybody here not born of a woman? Yeah, you was. We're not confused this morning. We understand. We were born with a sin nature. A nature to sin, a nature to pull us toward things of sin. Paul taught us in Romans 4 that we have a remedy for this. In Romans chapter number 4, he lays out how that we were justified by our faith. I love justification by our faith. Justified by our faith. When we look at being justified by our faith, here's what I want you to know. Do you understand this morning that your bondage is a product of a sin nature that you were born with? 
That's the root of the problem. That's why we desire the things of the world, the things of the flesh, because we have a nature that is bent toward things that are wrong. Are you with me? So in order to address true deliverance, he's got to address the problem, which is the sin nature. So this is what he said, and I'm hopping and skipping. This is what he said. Here's what I'm going to do about your sin nature. Your sin nature rules and reigns you. It rules you. It reigns like a king over your heart, pulling you any direction that it wants to pull you. Here's what he's going to do. First of all, I'm going to bring you into relationship. Whosoever would believe upon the Lord shall be saved. In other words, shall be justified. Romans 4 and 5 is teaching us justification. Watch this. If you're bound by sin and you're not satisfied on your way to a devil's hell, you'd rather go to heaven. You want eternal life. Here's what happens. Spiritually, we are brought before the righteous judge, which is God in heaven's courtroom. Anybody in here ever been to court? Don't raise your hand. We are brought to court. When we get into court, we are standing before the righteous judge. I'm talking about Romans 4 and 5. This is what the spirit of truth left us. We are brought before God, the righteous judge. Do you know when you stand before God, you're standing before one that knows. This is kind of scary. He knows the depths of our heart. Yeah, that's scary. He knows every single thought, Jeremy. Every thought. That ought to scare you. Come on, you can take the halos off this morning. He knows every thought that we have ever had. He knows every lie. He knows everything. Being justified, we either stand before him now or we're going to stand before him later. Let me tell you, you'd rather stand before him now at the cross of Christ. When I stand before him, I'm standing here looking at him. I have Jesus as my lawyer defending me. I have Satan, my accuser, prosecuting me. And Satan is over here saying, he told this lie, he done this, he done that. He was here, he done that when he wasn't supposed to do this, that, everything else. And God is going to ask you how you plead. How do you plead? Well, in my right mind, my natural mind, I know I'm guilty. But if I look to Christ and say, but I place my faith in Christ and what he did for me. And Christ walks over and stands before me, right in front. Come here, Tristan, hurry. He's standing right in front of me. And he's accused me and accused me, and he's standing right right in front of me. And now Satan is accusing, and God the Father looks, and he's seeing Christ. (laughs) And when he looks at Christ, he recalls his life. Well, for 33 and a half years, he walked this cruel uh, world. He was sinless. He was spotless. He never messed up. He never failed. He was tempted in all points. Satan walked him up on top of the mountain and he even tempted him. He brought back with the word of God. And when God looks at him because he hides my sin, he has to look and lower the gavel and say, he's not guilty of anything and everything that he's been accused of. Not guilty. Not guilty, my Lord. Not guilty of everything. 
That's what I want. I want a not guilty verdict. Because I remember those times I messed up. I remember those times I drove home when I should have been dead in a ditch somewhere. I remember those times when I lied. I remember those times when I was my buddies and I thought I was being cool. And if I can place my faith in Jesus and God look and see the blood of Christ applied to my heart and say not guilty, listen, I'll take my judgment now. I'll tell, look, I know I messed up. I'm not so, I hate this bad English, I'm not so dumb to think I'm good enough to make it to heaven. I know where I've been. I know what I've done. I know what I've watched. I know what I've said. I'm going to place my faith in Jesus. Look, I, I, done, I done broke the law. I better throw my lot into grace. And so Romans 4 and 5, the spirit of truth showed us this. First of all, I'm going to justify. You're going to be justified, declared not guilty according to your faith in Christ. Whew. You know what that means? I just started with a clean slate. In order to justify me, he took me from where I was and he placed me into a position in Christ. And now that I'm in Christ, I can be changed. All right? See, he took me with a bondage. Oh, all that didn't set. No, no, Jesus, he didn't do everything all at once. If he did everything all at once, you wouldn't be dependent upon God. We'd have the big head and we'd be walking around like the Word of Faith Doctrine talks about like little gods. We're not little gods. We're still human in need of God. And so now I'm baptized into Christ. I've been, or I'm justified. I'm declared not guilty. I'm in a position now where I can be changed. Watch this. Some of the church is not going to accept this. And some of the religious people are going to say, I don't know what I'm talking about. But here's the truth. Even though I'm justified, declared not guilty. I'm glad my wife's not here this morning. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. There's still some things about Steve that's got to be changed. But now that I'm justified, I'm in a position in Christ that I now can be changed. And let me just go ahead and include you, and, and you can get aggravated. But you have some things in your heart that needs to be changed too. <laughs> That's everybody. Everybody. Nobody walked in perfect this morning. We all walked in in need of Christ, whether we admit it or not. And so Romans 5 ends with this. We're sin. Watch this. Where sin did abound, the sin nature ruled and reigned in my life. Grace does not just abound. Grace does much more. Oh, that's good. Much more abound. You mean to tell the addict that the, the, the strength of the pull of that bondage that they had, it was so great that they, it pulled them and they couldn't just quit on their own and they became a prisoner of war, that now grace is even greater than that pull? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. That's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that that bondage that ruled and reigned over your life as a king, uh, grace does much more abound over your life. Much more abound. In other words, there's more there than what you'll ever need. Grace does much more abound. So now, grace is abounding. Look at Romans 6. We'll fly through this, but I want you to see it. Romans 6, let's start verse 1. Romans 6, watch this. Now, we've got to know some things real quickly. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Nobody that got set free from the sin nature wants to go back under the bondage of sin nature. 
Nobody that got saved wants to go back out and continue in the bondage. You got, you got saved. I don't want that bondage anymore. Most people today are not getting saved because they're, they're scared of hellfire. They're not scared of going to hell. They're getting saved because they need something changed in their life. He didn't come to look. I know that, again, this is something many will disagree with. Brother Donnie Barnes, me and him had this conversation when he was still here. We had the conversation. The Lord set him free from alcohol. And we talking, I said, you know what? An alcoholic that was bound by alcohol and their, their life was being destroyed by alcohol and it was ruling and reigning in their life. They don't want to hear it's all right to drink wine every once in a while. I don't know why the church wants to argue about drinking. There's more scriptures condemning alcohol in the Bible than anything else. Anything. I can show you anything else. An alcoholic that's been set free from alcohol doesn't want to hear it's all right to sip. No. They want as far away from that as what they can get. Destroying their family, their life, their health, and everything about it. I want as far away from it as what I can get. Verse number three. Here's, watch this. Don't you know? No, you're not. So many of us were baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death. Verse number four. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death, and like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. It's telling us this, when you were justified, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth took you, baptized you into Christ. When you were baptized into Christ because of his finished work on the cross of Calvary, the power of the sin nature was broken, the old man was, was buried, and a new man was raised up. Look, I know you may not look a lot different right now. You may look like the same person, but I'm giving you something to believe. This is what the Apostle Paul laid out. you got to believe this. Don't you know? Don't you know you were baptized into Christ? This is what happened. Sin nature broke, the old man was buried, the alcoholic, the drug addict, the liar, the gossiper, the fornicator, the adulterer, God buried, and he never raises up what he buries. He raises up a new man. Then he raised up a new man in verse number five. If we believe, or for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, you need to know this. Your old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed and henceforth you should not serve sin. I don't want to serve the sin nature. I want to serve the divine nature. Walk after the leading of the Holy Spirit. For he who is dead is freed from sin. And if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Watch this. Got to know something else. Verse number 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Watch this. Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He stretched out his hands. He said, it is finished. Verse 10, when he said he died once, it literally means he died once and for all. Just because you mess up, Jesus doesn't have to come back and be crucified again. That's good preaching. He died. He demolished sin once and for all to those that will place their faith in him. 
Likewise, reckon, count on this. You also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. I'm not going to go much farther. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse chapter 6, he's given us what to believe. In verse number 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. How do I not let sin reign in my mortal body? I got to believe what he just taught me. Verses 1 through 11, I need to believe it. I believe I was baptized. I keep my faith in Christ. Remember, all the way through, we just traveled through from Luke to John, all, all, from John uh, uh, 8 to John 14, uh, John 16. What did it do? Pointed us to Christ. Point to Christ. Point to Christ. Point to Christ. What's this doing? Pointing you to Christ. It was all about what Jesus did. You were justified because of what Christ done. Now you've been planted with Christ. You were baptized into Christ. Where do we keep our faith? We keep our faith in Christ and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. Verse number 12, I don't have to allow sin to reign in my body if I keep my faith in Christ and what he did. Verse 13 and 14, and I'll quit. Neither yield your members, your body, your hands, your feet as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Your members is your body. Sin is carried out in your flesh. It starts in the heart. Filters to your flesh. It's carried out in our flesh. He said, you don't have to yield no more if you place your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Grace is going to flow. And where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. <laughs> oh, I love it. Verse number 14. This is our proclamation of independence for the believer. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under law. You're under grace. Sin had dominion under, over those that were under law, but those that are under grace, sin shall not. Shall not is future. <laughs> past, present, and future. Jesus defeated all sin, past, present, and future. And as long as I keep my faith in Christ and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary, sin shall not, even in the future, have dominion over me. Ah, oh, beautiful. I want to tell you this, I'm going to hush. I'm out of time. To those that are a captive, a prisoner of war, I've preached deliverance because what I have preached was this. I point you to Christ, and I point you to what he done on the cross of Calvary. And Romans 6 points you back to what happens when you place your faith in Christ and what he does on the cross. If I place my faith in Christ and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary, first of all, I'm justified. I'm declared not guilty. Second of all, where sin did abound, grace, grace is the effectual working of the Holy Spirit. It's not just unmerited favor. Look at it in the Strong's. Old Covenant, it was unmerited favor because the Holy Spirit could not come like he like he was meant to be here with us until Jesus died on the cross. New Testament, new, new covenant is the divine influence of the Spirit and the reflection in your heart. It is God's will for somebody to be bound to have the testimony, I've been set free by the power of God. The reflection in your heart. The divine influence of the Holy Spirit. Where sin did abound, grace or the working of the Holy Spirit. Oh, he does much more about. There's nothing going on in your heart that he can't break. And now, 
when I place my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary, I have the divine influence, the help of the Holy Spirit. Best help heaven can get, I have the help of the Holy Spirit. What's he going to do? Well, John 16, he shall lead you into all truth. Well, if he's leading me into truth, he's leading me deeper into Christ. I'm getting deeper and deeper. They ain't, they ain't, I'll bad English, but I'm going to say that. They ain't no bondage in Christ. If he's leading me deeper into truth, oh, I'm enjoying this much more than you are. Then he's leading me further into liberty. He's setting me. <laughs> he is setting me into I place my faith in Christ and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. And the power of the Holy Spirit begins to work on me. What's he doing? He's liberating me. He's setting me free from this. He won't show you everything that needs to be changed all at one time because we'd all quit. But he'll take one thing at a time. He says, all right, buddy, here's where we're at. We're gonna, I'm going to convict you of this. I'm going to show you this is, an offensive, this is an offense to God. And we're going to work on this. And every day I'm going to get up and say, God, I've got a problem with this. But I know you're not pleased with it. So I place my faith in Jesus and what he done for me on the cross of Calvary. And I believe that where this sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And I'm asking you to change this in me. Amen. What am I doing? I'm walking, I don't got time to teach, I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm placing my faith back in Christ so that grace may abound. See, I can't just call you to a prayer line and expect to lay hands upon you and God do everything. He may deliver you from something, but something else is going to come up. And let's just say it comes up on Wednesday or on Thursday. If you've got a bondage in your heart and you love God, you're not pleased with that bondage, you want it gone immediately. You don't want to wait till Sunday. So I'm going to get, I'm preaching deliverance because I don't care what day of the week is. You can get up and say, Lord, I see this in my heart. And I'm asking you to change this in me. I place my faith in Christ and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. And the grace of God begins to flow in that area to change me and to set me free. Me and Brother West was talking when I use him as an example. I pick on him a lot. We're talking one day at his house at his I don't know. We was doing something probably with chickens. You got six chicken houses. You're probably doing something with chickens. And he began to just share something with me. And he said, you know, he talked to me and told me, and I'll be very vague in what I say because it's between him and God. But he said, I had something surface come up in my heart that I never even, I never had an issue or problem ever with this area. Is that all right if I say that? I've never had a problem with this area. And all of a sudden it comes up and I've got a problem. What was happening? Well, the Lord is bringing things out of the depths of his heart, walking in the Spirit. And sanctifying and changing something. Here's something else that needs to be changed. You know why he never knew he had a problem with it? There was no need for the enemy to ever bring that up. Because he had him bound with whatever was in front of him. And the Lord was merciful enough, not just to him, but to all of us, to not show me everything that's messed up in me. Come on, we're all a mess. He didn't show me everything, just one thing at a time. That's what we're going to target. Little by little, Exodus 23 and 30, they possessed the land 
little by little, not all at once. But I come to tell you this morning, I come to preach deliverance to the captive. Jesus didn't die on the cross of Calvary so that you would remain in bondage. He died to set you free. And because of grace that is available to us today, I point you to Christ, I preach deliverance and tell you that if you'll keep your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, then the grace of God that superabounds over sin will continue to abound and continue to change you. It may not happen overnight, but I come to ask you to not give up. Believe for another day. Believe for another hour. Trust God because God's word cannot come back void. If he promised it, he's held to his word, he'll do it. If his word is void, we'll all quit. But his word has never come back void to me. I just come to tell you this morning, you don't have to be bound by what you're bound by. Jesus died to set you free, to deliver you, so that you would live in freedom. And whom the Son sets free is free. Indeed, place your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And deliverance is there. I want to ask you to stand with me. I'm, I'm going to hush. Father, we love you this morning. I thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. Lord, where would we be without your mercy? Where would we be today, God, except for lost and bound without your love today, God? God, I know because I have experienced it, Lord. God, that a bondage is a struggle that within ourselves we're never going to win. We will become a prisoner, God, of that struggle. Well, Lord, you didn't die for us to remain to be a prisoner. You died to set us free, to set us at liberty, Lord. And this morning, Lord, I'm asking you to deliver. God, your will to deliver immediately, but to give us that knowledge that we can hang on to of how to continue to be delivered and to be changed. This morning, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, you, God, would do a work that we cannot do. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, this is my altar call this morning. There is no greater bondage than somebody that is bound by sin, that has never accepted Christ as your Savior. And true deliverance is something that needs to continue, that should continue. And if I want deliverance to flow in my life, then I must start by entering in by faith to heaven's courtroom, placing my faith in Christ, and having that not guilty verdict announced over my life. What a beautiful thing. This morning, I've not overlooked that. In fact, that's my priority. But in my spirit, I've got to include the believer that has a bondage that they've become a prisoner to. You love God. You serve God. 
You want to be a servant to the Lord. But there's this white elephant in my heart that I just can't seem to get around. I feel the presence of the Lord. And I want nothing more than for this bondage to be broke so that I can continue on serving God. I want to tell you this morning, I feel led to do this. I'm going to give an altar call for those to come and to stand. We're going to ask God to deliver, but we're also going to ask God to, that your faith would not fail. Because while the Lord does deliver instantly, our most important thing is that our faith does not fail. I don't want you coming to an altar and then not receiving from the Lord and leaving discouraged. I'm not going to allow that this morning. Because I'm going to tell you that even if you come and not receive immediately, I've preached deliverance. If you'll keep your faith in Christ and what He done for you on the cross, if you continue in my word, the Lord says, then you are my disciple indeed. I come to tell you that if you won't quit, then God won't quit because He desires to set us free to deliver us from all things. Oh, this morning, I know sometimes it's harder to get a believer to come than it is those that are not saved. But it's a good time this morning to be honest with yourself, to make an honest assessment, be honest with God. Say, you know what, I got a bondage and I'm not leaving. Nobody's going to ask you what it is. It ain't nobody's business. And I'm not leaving until I at least apply this truth to my life. If that's you this morning, I want to ask you to come and join us across the front. They've already started coming. If that's you, this is your time. I want you to come and join us across the front. We're going to come. We're going to pray for you that God would deliver we're going to pray that God would strengthen your faith. If that's you, I want you to come. Hallelujah. Come on, would you come? Why don't you step out right now? It's the time. Come on, would you come? There's no need to hear a truth and then to walk out and not allow the Lord to apply it to your heart. Come on, would you come? Coming slowly, but we're coming. Come on, it ain't nobody's business but you and God. But would you come this morning? Come on, would you come this morning? Hallelujah. Come on, would you come? Just me and God. The only reason you'd get out of your seat and make a walk up here this morning is because you want to be pleasing to the Lord. No believer is satisfied with a bondage in their heart. No believer... No believer is okay with an offense between them and God. Every believer that loves God says, God, if there's anything between me and you, remove it that I might serve you and I be what you want me to be. This morning, come on, would you come? Anybody else? Anybody else? Would you come this morning? Anybody else, would you come? 
Come on, we're going to pray for you. We're asking God to perform a miracle in your heart. Come on, would you come this morning? Come on. All right. I'm going to ask family and church family together behind your family, your church family this morning. If you've got family up here specifically, get with him or her. I want you to come and stand with them this morning. I'm going to ask our extended church family, I don't care if they're your immediate family or not, but would you come join us this morning? Come on, would you come? We need your help praying today. Here's what I want to do. These pastors are going to help me. If you come up for prayer, I want you to look at me just for one minute. I want to say something to you. There's a man in the Bible who was a leper. And I bring this leprosy up because it is the type of the worst bondage, the grossest sin that is ever described in the Bible. You need to understand that if somebody had leprosy, they were the lowest of lows. They took them, put them outside the gate, and left them for dead. There was no hope. There was nothing anybody could do. Nothing. No other option. We leave you for dead. When you're dead, they disposed of them. They would everybody give up on them. Everybody threw in the towel on a leper. They were done. I bring that up this morning because there was a leper that came to Jesus. He hollered, unclean, unclean. But he came to Christ. And he had a reply that was a reply of mercy. He said this, Lord, If you will, if you will, watch this, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus didn't ask him his name. He didn't ask him where he's from. He didn't ask him who he'd been in contact with. Jesus looked at the person that everybody give up on and he said, Oh, I will. I will. I will. You want to know if Jesus will? He will. There's no doubt this morning that some of you standing up here, there's people that's gave up on you, people that's pushed you off, people that would have thrown you outside the gate, people that have told everybody else to move on. But I want you to know, my Lord, Because of the gospel, there's a man that sits at the right hand of the Father and says, I haven't given up on you. I'm not throwing you away. 
And if you want to know in regards to your bondage, your sin, oh, I will. I will. As a preacher of the gospel, look, I want to tell you this. I'm not promising you right now. I'm not promising you giving you a time limit. But I can, according to the Word of God, I promise you, He will today. He will. You're not too far gone. Your bondage is not too great. It's not. He will this morning. I'm going to ask you to say a prayer with me. And then after we say a prayer, I want to ask those standing with you to begin to pray for you. Myself, these pastors are going to gather around and we're going to begin to pray for you also. Just because you say the prayer, I don't want you to quit. I want you to still worship. Give us an opportunity to pray for you and those standing with you to pray for you this morning that God would deliver. God can deliver you right now. But even if He don't, we're praying that God would strengthen your faith so that you would keep on. Will you bow your head and will you repeat after me? I want you to keep playing this morning. Heavenly Father, here I stand and I stand at your mercy. God, the bondage that is in my heart is greater than what I am. It has left me as a prisoner to this war that I'm fighting. But this morning, I believe that your grace that you've made available for me is greater than the bondage that is in my heart. So right now, I ask you to forgive me. I place my faith in Jesus and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. And I'm asking grace to flow. Lord, I'm asking for deliverance. I'm asking you to set me free. I'm asking you to help me from this day forward. And even if I don't receive right now, help me to keep believing. Help me to keep trusting because I believe that you shall make me free. And who the Son shall make free shall be free indeed. In the name of Jesus, amen. And amen. Church family, lay your hands on them. I want you to raise your hands if you come for prayer. Begin to pray for them right now. Will you sing this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray for them this morning. And you're working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Oh, and you are here. You're moving in our midst. I worship you. Lord, I worship you. Born you are here, you're working in this place. I worship you, Lord, I worship you. Born you are, we make miracle work, promise keep, 
Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are the way make miracle work, the promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, you are the way make miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, and you are, we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family. <laughs>